All right. Um, don't don't forget to get nice and uh, oh, yeah. it's nice and sexy when you talk. How is that? This How is a big owl. <laughs> wow. I meant distance oh, wise. <laughs> What's a sexy distance? Oh, pretty close. <laughs> Progressive Rugby League. Welcome to Progressive Rugby League. We're back again. Big show. Big show. The slugs are not going to lie to you. There's a lot going on. And with me, of course, Big Al and Jono. Hello, fellas. Great, great, hey, great to have you back. Doing? Totally missed you, buddy. Yeah, thank you for obviously taking the reins again last week and delivering a cracking app. Uh, what's happening, fellas? How are we feeling? Everyone good? Look, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, it was a, a pretty full-on weekend, finals football, mm. NRLW. Uh, I'm exhausted, but a good exhausted. You know, after you've just been yeah. for a Spent. 5K run. That's the thing. Yeah, that's right. Right. So feeling good. How about you, Bigger? Yeah, I mean, last episode I sort of I cast my eye over the the finals field and was a bit like, oh ho hum, whatever. Mm. Well, they dished up some some pretty good stuff. They did, and not not to mention the uh, the qualifiers. It's a very exciting time of year. So, absolutely. Well, let's get into talking about all that with some round reflections, Jono. Yeah. Well, I do want to speak about the round that we just saw in the NRL finals. And also the NRLW. I'll start with the NRL finals. So a thrilling weekend of rugby league, really. It yeah. kicked off on Friday night with one of the better <laughs> finals games <laughs> what you a have game. ever seen. What a game that was. Incredibly good rugby league. Uh, some fizzing tries and a thrilling finish. Uh, a couple of decent games last night, I thought. And, well, on Saturday night, I thought. And the Sunday game, the Broncos and Dragons, just an incredible result, really. Mm. So fantastic. And I want to touch a little bit on the crowds and I'm going to read the crowds out to you mm-hmm. and I'm going to read them out twice in different contexts okay. so firstly <laughs> right. like the NRL had the following crowds in the NRL finals 17,000 17,000 25,000 47,000 not bad yep. not great yep. but now let me read it to you in the following context the NRL compared to the AFL <sighs> had dismal crowds 17, only 17,000 in the first game, only 17,000, and then only 25,000, compared to the AFL's 91,000, 91,000, 60,000, 40,000, all <laughs> this sort of thing. incredible, isn't it? My point being, you should not live your life comparing yourselves to others. It's a pretty depressing way to live. Mm. What you've got to do is concentrate on your own patch and how you can improve your own stuff. Because I'm, I'm sick and tired of hearing people always comparing the AFL and NRL crowds. Yes, it's true, you'd like to see higher crowds in week one of the NRL finals. It's been a problem for a while. We don't tend to get great crowds, especially in Sydney, in the week one of the finals. Uh, But comparing it to the AFL is just unfair. AFL, to be fair to them, they're like top of the class when it comes to getting people to the games, especially in Melbourne. Well, yes. And I suppose they're like the... You know that kid in class when you went to school? They were the straight-A student. They were also the captain of the first 11, the first 13, and the first 15. They're like that kid. So there's no use, if you're a kid in that class, comparing yourself to him 
because that's not going to do you any favors. You know, and everyone hated that kid. It's, it's, yeah, it, it sounds to me. Are you trying to say that we're not in the same class as that kid, or just well, when it comes to crowds, let's face facts. Yeah, so I think it's, it's really it's really easy to compare NRL and AFL. Are always at, they're always a battle over something. Sure. And it's really easy to compare NRL crowds to, crowds to AFL crowds. But what we've got to, to put it into context, and I'm not saying that the NRL should not be striving to have massive crowds because it should. But globally, the AFL is like the fifth most popular, like highest attended sport in the world. That's it's right. A, it's a complete outlier. Like you shouldn't, like in, take, put in, that's in global context in Australia with a population of like what, 23 million or something. Yeah. That's amazing. Like it's ridiculous that, that, that ha- they just have that attendance culture. It should not be seen as a normal thing. No. It's, it's, a, it's, a, freak, it's a freak event. A certain, <laughs> it happens all the time. A certain set of circumstances over the years has led to mm. yes. that being the norm down there. That's yeah. right. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. While we'd like to see more people in Sydney, especially on the first week of finals, the crowds, they're not actually that bad. It's only because we always are comparing ourselves to the AFL yeah. that everyone gets down on the NRL crowds. There's still a lot of people there at the games mm. getting there and enjoying I, I the think 17,000 at the Warriors-Panthers game, I thought was actually a pretty good result considering yeah. like, it, like ANZ sucks. ANZ, yeah. Getting there sucks from anywhere, yeah. especially from Penrith and especially from bloody New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah, and if that game was at Panthers Stadium, it would have been a sold-out, I don't know, what, 21,000, 22,000 yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, so I think it was, it's a pretty good effort to get that many people there. Yeah. So, I mean, this is what I try to tell um, the younger people in my life who I give advice to, unwanted (laughs) advice, of course, to. I say, stop comparing yourself to others. Just concentrate on improving your own little patch and go from there. And that school captain might look pretty flashy up front. That's right. But there might be underlying issues that we don't know. And also, the guy, that guy at school... Mate, he peaked at school. That's you know, right. after graduation, he ain't doing nothing. They always, the school captains always peak at school. Yeah, so don't worry. I think they've made it. Yeah. Uh, I also want to touch on the NRLW, which I thought uh, was an astounding success for mm. the first week. It was mm. amazing. You know, when, you, when it all began earlier in the year, the, the announcement, I sort of wondered whether it'd be a situation where the quality would be such where you'd be sort of searching for nice things to say about it. Obviously, you want to put a, a positive spin on things like we do here in the Progressive Rugby League podcast. But the good news is you don't have to search at all. The quality is there. Mm. The, the, the ball handling, uh, the physicality. Yeah, the aggression. The, I can't believe like the, the, the aggression and the, the desire to, to win. The athleticism, yeah. uh, the evenness of the competition. Yes, Brisbane won quite easily against St. George, but that St. George team is not a terrible team. It was a very warm day. Yeah. Uh, the Broncos are a very good team. Yeah. And that first game, Warriors and Roosters, was a very competitive game and I thought really high quality. So yeah. just for me, I was just thrilled to watch it. They were very entertaining games mm. of high physicality, high athleticism and great skill level. Were the pillars followed? The pillars, yeah. Well, lots of offloading, uh, yeah. lots of, you know, will-o'-the-wisp sort of play. Right. Uh, second pillar, yes, what do you stand for? Off the field, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tick, tick, tick. Um, Humour. I didn't see a lot of humour in the games, but I mean, there's always Give it time. To work on. <laughs> Give it time. Yeah, you can't meet all the goals first week. So yeah, yeah. A great weekend I thought. All right, excellent reflections. Thank you, Big Al. What you got? So I'd like to I'd like to get a little bit serious here. Okay. I want to talk about uh, rugby league and its place in society, which is probably something that we've we we deba- well, we discuss every it's single week. Up. We do big topic. It's a big topic for us. So for 
those that are not based in Sydney, I just want to let you know that over the past week, there's been a, there was a, I don't want to call it a scandal, but there was a front page news story of the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs being photographed, being really pissed and doing some pretty dumb things, harmless, but dumb things mm. in public, really embarrassing look for the game after such a year of that sort of stuff of minimal events of that sort of thing to end it at the finals, just, just as the final start to have that splash across the front page. Oh, it's just really disappointing. And it's just a really bad look. Now, I don't want to talk about whether that behavior is okay or not and whether um, privacy was invaded by having photos taken or anything like that. But I want to use that Which as... it was. <laughs> well, but I just want to use that as an example of how that... Uh, in, in Sydney, in Australia, in Sydney, rugby league stories sell. And yes. scandalous rugby league stories mm. sell more than anything. They sell like, mm. like wildfire. Everybody wants to click. What that means is that we've spoken before, well, I think really early on in this podcast, we spoke about how the NRL suffers from lack of advocacy. So people don't feel like they can be proud about being NRL fans. Mm. Like you sort of, it's like everyone, it's got such widespread popular appeal. Yes. But people don't sing about it. People don't talk about it openly. I remember you suggesting Sandra Sully could be That's a right, figurehead. That's right, exactly. The, <laughs> figurehead yeah, for rugby and the reason, the reason is because these stories are so, are so prevalent. Yep. Um, again, because because they create headlines, because they create clicks, because they, they generate revenue. What we need to understand then is that because of that, I feel, and this is just Big Al talking. I'm not talking on behalf of the PRL, so Slug and Jono may not share not, may not share these views. But as a rugby league fan, as a member of the rugby league family, if fraternity, you, fraternity. If you love this game, then you need to make sure that every single time you are representing rugby league, and that means as a player, as a fan. At a game, wearing any kind of rugby league, anything that displays your fandom, mm. you've got to make sure that you're representing the game in the right light because rugby league has, uh, in general society, outside of the main fan base, mm. rugby league is seen as like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's like a lower class sport, I suppose. It's, it's supported by, um, you know, brutes and people that are rude and like drunks. And, yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's one of the reasons why we started this podcast because... We, we, the term progressive rugby league started as a bit of a joke, you know, because it's actually seen rugby league in the mainstream society is seen as a pretty unprogressive sport. Mm. But the more we thought about it and the more we looked back at rugby league's history, we realized that rugby league actually is a very progressive sport. Mm-hmm. And so this is what this podcast yeah. is all about, yeah. to bring that exactly. to light. Yes. And, and what you're saying is that I'm going to bring it back to school once again. So it's like when uh, you were at school and the headmaster would say, when you're wearing your school blazer at the shopping centre, right. you've got to behave yourself. That, is that basically what you're saying, Big Al? Well, it, yes, in, in a way. So the, the point I, I, I was trying to make is that people that are in the game will see the story, the, the Mad Monday Bulldog story, and they'll think, oh, like it's just a typical media beat-up because rugby league scandal sells. That's what p- p- informed individuals like the ones here understand that. Sure. The ones that aren't fans of the game, and believe it or not, there are a lot of people that know about the game but aren't fans of the game. Yeah. All they see is the headline. So all they, mm. all they see, all they think, all they hear is another rugby league scandal. Now, just for those that don't know... Most of the people that are fall into that category that know about the game through what they hear in the media but aren't fans of the game, they control the money. They control mm. the sponsorship dollars. So, therefore, those people are reluctant to invest their marketing money into rugby league because they think that it's a you know it's, it's a scandalous sport and it's it's not progressive when in fact it is entirely progressive. Yeah, and that's why it, everybody in this community has an opportunity 
yeah. to make sure that this game is seen in the best light possible. So, when you're at the game, when you can be obviously identified as a fan of the game, make sure you're representing the game in the way that it needs to be represented. Because it is a wonderfully progressive game. Yes. And let's say that the Bulldogs' crime is not drinking a lot of alcohol and having silly fun because it was Mad Monday and that's what teams do. Every single team in every single professional sport in this country does the same thing. That's right. Seven other teams that were having their Mad Monday managed to do it quietly behind closed doors. That's just in the NRL. In the AFL, there was eight other teams doing the same thing. After the big bash season with cricket, they've all been doing the same thing. It happens in every professional sport in this country. But the dog's crime is being dumb. Yes. That's right. They did it openly... They went back to the same venue they've been to for the last four or five years. Mm. Um, and they know full well that there's this slight kind of NRL news battle going on. And so very, it was always likely that there'd be people looking to pull up rugby league players on Mad Monday. If you run a cafe... Mm. And you you take your takings to walk your takings to the bank. They tell you take a different route every day. Don't do the same. Don't go the same way every day because people will learn. Yep. So why did they have to keep going back to the same venue they've been to four or five times? All those News Corp photographers would know right. Bang, Mad Monday, Bulldogs will be there. Yeah, you know, and and then all they had to do was set up and wait for someone to do stupid stuff. Obviously, vomiting in the streets a bad look. Terrible. <laughs> Yeah, and um, and but uh, apart from that, one or two players who, you know, seemingly couldn't walk, mm. were the rest of them doing anything that bad? Well, let's put it in a, a different context. So, yes, what they did was not ideal and was wrong. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, compared to the quote unquote atrocities of the past, this was very mild and very minor. There was no one from what I understand, from the public who was affected or had... No, nobody there even cared. No, that's right. So, really, it actually shows rugby league has made some progress because, you know, 10 years ago, mm. there was some bad stuff going on at this time of year. Mm. But my, my point, back to my, my point earlier, is that it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what, how severe the scandal is. Yeah. It's just another scandal to those, that, to those uninformed yes. you know, non-fans. Yeah. And so, therefore, it sucks that... that like I, I feel for the players a lot in this. They have to be really, really guarded whenever they're outside of, of the club, you know, the club training facilities. But that's just the way it is. And it, but it also falls upon fans as well. So mm. if you're at a game and you're swearing, or if you get into a like a drunken brawl with some more, and you're wearing your your um your team scarf or anything, that's just as much rugby league scandal as if the players are doing the same thing. Yeah. So we've all got to make sure that we're giving the game the best opportunity to be seen to those that don't know just how fantastic it is. Mm. No, if, you want the game, if you want the game to succeed, if you want the game to attract new people, because that's what we need to do. We need to make sure we're attracting women. We need to make sure we're attracting corporate sponsorship mm. and allowing that kind of behavior to take to, to be the narrative mm. does nobody any favor. I'm really surprised that the doggies lost a sponsor because of that. No, no, I, I probably think that is they were looking for a reason to give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sponsors <laughs> yeah. in that I mean, situation. Like, there are uh, like an J car is the electronics company, right? Yeah. And I just think the margin on electronics these days is uh. it's just it's, you know, it's getting a lot smaller, right? Anyway, big Al, I think well said. Mm. And I think come to think of it, you'd be a really good school headmaster. 
And I, I would, <laughs> you know, like I'm pushing right. through with an analogy as yeah, far as you right. can take it. I'm inspired, and you know, when I'm when I wear my uh, Parramatta Eels scarf and other memorabilia, I'm gonna think to what you just Ooh. said there, and just you know, I'm gonna let people onto the bus first. I'm gonna. Uh, I make it a point now. So believe it or not, I'm not a I'm not a blue collar worker. I'm I'm very very white collar. Okay. So I'm, I, I might even say I'm I'm pretty well educated as well. But <laughs> whenever I'm uh, whenever the weather calls for it, so whenever it's scarf weather, yeah, I wear uh, and I have many of them. I wear a rugby league team scarf around because I want you. people to see. Wow, look at that guy in his corporate attire wearing a, a rugby league scarf. Wow, rugby league is also mm. like a an aspirational you know, upper class sport. <laughs> but you also know when you put that scarf on, right, I I'm, I'm have to present, everything I do today has to be presented in the best possible light. Well, that's me anyway. <laughs> but when I wear, when I'm, when I'm doing it, when I'm wearing rugby league merch, yeah. then not only do I still, like, I'm always trying to display the best behavior, but I do it with pride. Yeah. Well, those rugby league scarves too, they give you an itch, so it's not an easy thing to do because so you deserve a lot of credit. And the colours are quite garish. They don't, really, right. they don't really blend with anything I've got. <laughs> and you know when you get an itch on your neck, where do you have to go? Up to the sick bay at the school. No, I won't, I, won't, I, won't, I won't keep that school thing going. I won't. I won't. All right. My, my, I've got sort of a bit of news rather than a round reflection, um, and it's a bit of a... Uh, a disappointing headline. Okay. Uncertain future for rugby league's expansion plans in the USA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it seems very much like the opening game that we touted a little while ago that would, like, a round X that was going to be mm, yep. a couple of... Uh, a week before the actual original... That's not no longer going ahead, mm-hmm. apparently. Yep. Um, the Denver test... Finished. Is not happening apparently, mm-hmm. and the 2025 World Cup is in doubt. Mm. Yeah. So, what's what's happening? Like we we were sitting here, we were saying all these things. All these things are going ahead. How progressive, mm. great. USA is going to be on the map rugby league wise, and now what? It's it's what's what's happening? Is I, it? I think shonky dealings. The whole is thing it... has got a, a bit of a Nathan Tinkler feel to it. I think <laughs> oh, you know, right. we all saw like a private investor with as with a love of the game and a, and a vision for the future. Mm. Like, Bang! Great, yeah, let's right. do it. And then suddenly, a little peek behind the curtains, things probably just aren't as uh, secure as as we had hoped. Yeah, right. I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about last week, Big Al, in that. It's up to the NRL. They're the only rugby league organisation in the world who are flush with cash. Mm. It's up to them to take control and to lead the way for international rugby league. Yes, it's great if entrepreneurs want to have a crack and, and bring rugby league to different markets, but surely you cannot rely on them. It needs to be, it needs to be done... Formalised. It needs to be formalised. Yeah. Yes. So this was an idea from this promoter and everyone thought great I'm sure it will work out fine so all of a sudden all of a sudden it's always a good tuck to take you know, administration administration <laughs> chucking it around again yeah exactly but I mean I, li- I like to put a positive lens on it if it doesn't work out in the USA for 2025 which I reckon it's 50-50 at best then you know what about France Oh, yeah. What about oh. uh, emerging European nations? Yeah, this yeah, is a real yes. growth area. Yeah, Malta would be keen. Malta would be keen, yeah. you know, uh, Serbia. Oh, yeah. You know, all these countries. So France France is the key market yes. for mine. 
if you can crack back into France, you can open the door for the rest of Europe, in my opinion. Yeah. So the key for me would be to do everything we can to strengthen French rugby league. And also, and back to my, my point earlier as well, if you... Like France, it's aspirational culture. Everybody wants to be French. That's right. So if you yeah. got, if you get France, <laughs> the France going again in rugby league, it would uh, have it would have a halo effect across the whole game. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, and I also I agree with you. Like the NRL, they've got the most money, so they're in the best position to be in any sort of power position of influence over the international game. Mm. But the trouble is, and it's kind of the same with um, with I guess domestic rugby league in Australia, and that you've got a whole bunch of uh, governing bodies to deal with. Yeah. So. The, for the the NRL can't really go in and push aside the RRL, RLIF. Yes. You need to somehow get into some sort of um, consensus with them over what's going to happen. Mm. And I think that might be easier said than done because I just think, like, yeah. rugby league's got a lot of egos in it. Well, I, I think they are starting to work with them a bit more closely, but I just think they need to be a bit more proactive in their work with the RLIF and just say, hey, guys, this is how we're going to do it. Because... Up until recently, for the last 10 or 15 years, the NRL really has not been concerned with international rugby league at all. Mm. It's been most concerned with their own competition, yeah. which is NRL, fine and NRL everything NRL. coming out of uh, Super League War, you need to you know, get the TV dollars back and, and build the game. But now, the, we've got big TV dollars. There's The growth for rugby league lies in international rugby league. Surely the NRL should see that, and a strong international game will be stronger for the NRL competition in the long run. That's what we need to convince the NRL of because otherwise they will not they will not worry too much about international rugby league they'll pay it lip service yeah. if we can convince them that a strong international game is good for the NRL competition then they'll take a leadership role and it'll be good for the game yeah. we need an American Perez we need not, an- not an American Tinkler that's what we're saying <laughs> that's right uh, but yeah it's very interesting times very interesting times it's like yeah. good reflection Progressive Rugby League. What's the smell? You know what the smell is. It's the mailbag. Jono, what's oh, happening this week? It stinks this week, let me tell you. <laughs> Look, we've got some great feedback once again on PRL Rugby League Book Club. You know, the forbidden mm. game by Mike Rylance. We got... It's, it's, it's trending. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> we got a tweet from Ian East from Leeds, or it could be Ian from East Leeds. I can't tell from his Twitter <laughs> handle. But he said, this is a great listen. Read the Forbidden Game a few years ago and experienced that same sense of outraged disbelief as the PRL team at the at an injustice ignored. So, thank you, Ian East or Ian from East Leeds. Now he also gave us some suggestions for future book club episodes. So we've had a few of those. He said, "Would recommend the PRL book club also tries James Oddie's True Professional, which focused on Clive Sullivan." who also featured in Caroline Hilt's brilliant documentary, Rugby Codebreakers, which we mentioned yes. uh, a couple of weeks ago. Did a bit of research on Clive Sullivan. I didn't actually know who he was. Apologies, our English fans, or our British fans. But he was actually uh, quite a legend in the uh, British Rugby League game. He was the first black captain of any British sporting side when he <laughs> captained uh, the Great Britain side in 1972. This is oh, that's, uh, a, another another uh, notch in the belt for rugby you league. Know, you know what rugby league's problem is? It doesn't make a big deal about things. Like why does it? Like if only we decided to be to to just project and get up and and, and talk about and mm-hmm. celebrate yeah. the things that make the game great. And everyone like it's. I guess it's very English and very Australian to mm. to downplay 
You know, yeah. oh, don't worry about it, whatever, let's just get on with business. Oh, the wolf, that is amazing! The Bullfeds are louder than the progressive types. That's mm. the yeah, problem. that's true. I mean, you add that to, of course, Arthur Beetsman we've talked yeah. about many yeah. times on this show in the past. He was the uh, the first Indigenous captain of any Australian sporting side in 1973. So, so, that, so the English... Uh, the English example was mm. from 18... No, 1972, oh, and Arthur Beats in 1973. Yeah. So that, that sort of leads me to what I was about to talk about next, which was we're, we're here to announce our, our next episodes of Rugby League Book Club, which we'll be doing over the summer. We, of course, the Australian the, summer. The Australian summer, the British winter, the Northern Hemisphere winter. And so we, we've done the Forbidden Games, we've been very successful, so we're going to do some more. Uh, so here, we're here to announce. Are we ready? We're going to announce the, the next oh, episode. I'm ready. So <laughs> very exciting. Add an effect in later. <laughs> we're going to do No Helmets Required by Excellent. Gavin Willis. It's a, it looks like a fantastic book. Yeah. I've started reading it myself. We're going to do Their Finest Hour by Andrew Marmont, which looks at the history of the Rugby League World Cup in 10 matches. And we're also going to do this James Oddie's True professional so i'm really looking Wonderful. forward to right. that excellent focusing on clive sullivan i and always look i'm always looking for suggestions for my summer reading list yeah so fantastic i hope one of the two things that i love summer reading a rugby league yeah i hope that people are okay with if if there are no sort of deep injustices or death of codes in there <laughs> yeah it doesn't, like, it doesn't involve nazis yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. no there's, there's deceit oh there's betrayal. Some, there are some great stories in in these three books let me tell you so i think our listeners are going to be very pleased and i'm sure our listeners uh many of our listeners may have read a few of these books so please get in yeah. touch with your thoughts uh whenever you like and we'll we'll definitely address those when we get to that particular book club episode but we had other feedback during the week of course it was mentioned during the week that New York, Dublin, Villeneuve and Belgrade are all applying for admission into League One, uh, which is bloody exciting. It's amazing. It's it it like, exciting. I mean, even if none of it actually happens, the <laughs> fact that it's being talked about, yeah. step one to making something real is, is, is saying it out loud, writing yeah. it down. And, and we, we tweeted our excitement about oh, yeah. that. And we got a response from a guy called Powell. And yeah. Powell said, I'm not sure how much uh, sarcasm or irony is in this tweet so help me out here hopefully they won't get very far we need to keep the game going by focusing on the same 12 to 16 clubs that have had 123 years to grow the game <laughs> alright I'm All right. a bit of sarcasm <laughs> yeah. in that he, 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 going off don't worry he goes on time to move over three exclamation points Give someone else a go. Three exclamation points. Ooh. It can't get any worse than it is now. Two exclamation points. No, he was calming down by the <laughs> But um, thanks, pal. It's a, it's a good point. I mean, uh, 123 years, uh, that sort of M62 corridor, and rugby league hasn't really grown a whole lot. I, 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 really, um, I think friend of the show, Dan, Dan, Daniel? Daniel James, yeah. Was telling us about that as well, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. I'm really unfamiliar with the British highway system, but I know a lot about this M62. <laughs> I'm assuming it's a highway of some kind, right? It's, yeah, a motorway. Yeah, a motorway. Or, yeah, or, or some heavy kind of artillery. <laughs> sort of something yeah, like that's yeah. true. Um, so on, on those, the pending applications of those teams, mm. I did a little bit of, there was a story in the Sun, the UK Sun, um, specifically about the Dublin team. Yeah. I did a little bit of, I, I read that, I did a bit of reading. I read that one article. <laughs> um, but the guys that are putting together that bid, um, they're all excited by like uh, merch sales and they think there's some broadcast revenue in there as well. I'm not sure if League One actually has a broadcast deal. Yeah. But I think they're thinking if all those teams get um, granted admission, yeah. like New York, Red Star, et cetera, et cetera, then that might 
uh, create some sort of broadcast. Yeah, well, I mean, and the thing is, you look at the NRL broadcast deal, we've said this before, it's massive in Australia, but they also get a bit of sugar on top from a New Zealand deal, a separate yeah. deal from Sky Sports in New Zealand. So this is what uh, the RFL, I'm sure, is looking at uh, for other markets. Let's say your Dublin's, yeah. your New York's. So they're called out specifically. Imagine uh, a Dublin versus New York match played on St. Patrick's Day oh. in New York. That would just be you know, promoter's dream. And they said it, that, um, they estimate it's going to cost £250,000 a year to run the Dublin um, the Dublin team mm. specifically. So okay. I guess we need, again, an, uh, an Irish yeah. Perez. I really, uh, we sort of touched on it last week, but I really want to know what on earth the application process is like. Do they need to do, they need do, you, to do a do PowerPoint presentation? Dropbox. 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 Maybe we should just send an email and say we're inquiring, we'd like to set up a team yeah. and just see what, what we get back. Will they get disqualified <laughs> if they didn't PDF their Word document? You know? I'm just curious. Wasn't 12, yeah, 12 point font. So that's the mailbag from this week. How people? How do people get in touch with the mailbag slug? Uh, not... By using our email, that's for sure. Have you deleted um, it? <laughs> so can, we, can well. we go over the incentives for sending us an email? <laughs> it's, and they still stand. It's it, uh, Sterlo Story of a Champion, uh, autographed by John O'Duncan. I couldn't get Sterlo's autograph. You've got some sort of old Yeah, I've got a, a big league magazine from about 1987, uh, previously owned by Steve Mascord. <laughs> autographed now, by Steve Mascord? Well, I can autograph it. Now owned by Big Al. Um, <laughs> I think sure I can send it back to Mascord and see if he'll autograph I think we need to take this offline. Why are we encouraging people to send us an email if they don't, if they haven't already? Yeah, that's true. Out of the goodness of their hearts. Yeah, that's true. Also, um, what's the criteria by which we decide that it's a valid enough email to give books away? We receive it. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> we get the ding yeah. of, an, of an email. All right then, you've heard you've heard what's on offer. <laughs> ProgressiveRL at Outlook.com. Make it worth our while, please. <laughs> um, or search for us on. Twitter or Facebook, which is how people actually get into contact with us. Absolutely. All right, guys, I think it's time for... Slug the gal and me, we like what we see when it comes to French-Canadian rugby fatigues! Yes, we've got it down pat. So, uh, full disclosure, listeners, we're recording this a day earlier than we normally would, which means three out of four qualifier results are unavailable, possibly the most important qualifier results. So... To take care of that, we're going to throw to Future Jono. That's right. Over to you, Future Jay. Thank you, Big Al from the present. It's Future Jono here. That's Future Jono from the future. You know, as a curious soul, I've always wondered what the future would be like too. And you know what? I really should have travelled further than one day into the future to find out because I'm seeing a lot of the same. Anyway, let's get into the Sunday results from the latest round of the qualifiers. We had Hull KR 38 defeating Halifax 24, an expected result you would say. Leeds 16 accounting for Widnes 6, a lot closer than was expected but an expected result. And London, London 34 trouncing Toulouse Olympique 8. Now we have a few London Broncos fans listening to the podcast and I want you guys to know that don't listen to what Jono from the present and Jono from the past has said about London being the kings of the consolation try, because in this game, the London Broncos proved that they may well be past that stage. They scored like four or five tries in that first half and led 26-4 at half time. so they may be scoring tries of consequence from now on. So well done, London. You must be very happy, London Broncos fans, but as purveyors of French Rugby League, 
you know, we have mixed emotions at the very least of that result. So let's have a look at the table now for the qualifiers, and it sits thusly. Salford undefeated on eight points, Leeds on six, followed by Hull KR also on six. Toronto and London fill the million-pound game slots at the moment, both on four points. Ahead of Toulouse Olympique in six, also on four points. Widnes and Halifax look done and dusted on zero. Now, what will happen next? So, the beauty of being in the future is that I have access to new futuristic tools that we just don't have access to in the present. So, I have with me the PRL Predictor. And it comes in a box, and it's got a motto, actually. It's PRL Predictor, who will be the victor? Now, there may be a jingle in that, but I did promise my comrades of the present that there would be no guitar tonight. But allow me to wrap, un- unwrap this box for you, and let's have a look at what the predictor is saying. All right, unwrapping that box. All right, let's show, shall we give it a whirl? All right, typing in the qualifiers, the qualifiers, 2019. All right, here we go. Here we go. So it's telling me the games remaining for each team. So Salford on top, they have Leeds away, London away, and Toulouse at home. And the predictor is telling me three wins for Salford. Okay, they're going to finish the competition undefeated. Okay, interesting. Leeds, they're finishing off with Salford at home, Halifax away, and Toronto at home. And the predictor is telling me two wins for Leeds, which will see them to safety, of course. Hull KR, they have London at home, Toulouse away, and Widnes at home. And the predictor is saying three wins for Hull KR out of the last three games. So, geez, they're looking pretty safe, those top three teams. Now, let's have a look at what Toronto have. They've got Toulouse at home, Widnes at home, and Leeds away. And what does the predictor tell us? It tells us two wins for Toronto. Now, London, they finish off with Hull KR away, Salford at home, and Halifax at home. And the predictor tells us one win for London. And Toulouse, all right, what you got for us, predictor? Don't let us down. Okay, here we go. So Toulouse have Toronto away, Hull KR at home, and Salford away. And the predictor tells us, oh, zero wins for Toulouse. That hurts. Now, look, I've never used this predictor before. I have no idea of its accuracy, uh, but I don't love what I hear about that. But what it tells us is that it predicts that Salford, Hull KR, and Leeds will be automatically uh, part of Super League next year, and the million-pound game will be between Toronto and London. So we'll see what happens over the next few weeks, but it's very interesting times. I think that the key games, it looks like, over the next few weeks are the Toronto-Leeds game in the last round of the tournament, and also Toulouse versus Hull KR at home, Toulouse's last home game. That might be the game where they might be able to cause a boil over, and perhaps, you know, Salford in that last game, Salford perhaps would be undefeated at that point, and they might, you know, give it up. So you never know, but it's it's a thrilling competition, these qualifiers. So back to you, fellas of the present. Thank you very much, future Jono. Thank you. We're, we're here on Sunday afternoon, Sydney time. I wonder what the future's like where he is, <laughs> you know? He sounded happier. He did. That's for sure. And he sounded like... Uh, you know what, future, th- future Jono sounded like a guy I really want to spend more time with. <laughs> He sounded like, you know... Hey, don't give up on current Jono. <laughs> well, I'll meet future Jono tomorrow. That's right. right. <laughs>
We'll see if he's as good as as, as the um, as he sounded like. That's right. right. Yeah. Just have to wait and see. All right. So moving on to results that we can actually talk about. So Toronto Wolfpack have gone down to Salford twenty eight sixteen. So we kind of saw that coming. Yep. Salford are the powerhouses of the qualifiers. So. Uh, it's not, not panic stations for the Wolfpack yet, um, but it does. Last week, Jono, uh, Nostra, in, in a Nostra, Nostradamus uh, fashion, predicted a million pound game between the Wolfpack and Toulouse. Uh, and that result well, really, really still sends things mm. down that path. So hopefully the results from future Jono have changed that. <laughs> we don't know. We'll have to find out when the podcast gets released. Oh, enormous game, Toulouse and London. Future Jono, thanks for that update. <laughs> Uh, and going up a tier in the Super League, uh, Catalans have, have come off a defeat from St Helens, uh, twenty-two to twenty-six. Mm. So again, look, we—I think we can lay off the the Dragons. They won the Challenge Cup. That was that's amazing. Yeah. That's that's the year done as far as yeah. I'm concerned. They could lose every game eighty nil, and they'd still be a success. Yeah, look, uh, they, other than the Challenge Cup, in the last four weeks they've been flogged. So this was an improvement against a very good St Helens team. Yeah. It was their first home game since the Challenge Cup, so it was a nice crowd there at Gilles Brutus Stadium. So I think it was a good day overall, and St Helens only scored in the last minute to win that game. So yeah. pretty good performance yeah. in front of the home fans. And you know what? Like Catalans, they've not had a good run in the in the Super Eights, and they're they're equal last, not outright last. So yeah, thank you very much. Silver linings, right <laughs> there. Such right? a positive spin. <laughs> Can I just go back to the Salford Toronto game sure. real quickly? So this brings up a, a thought. There's been a lot of whinging, especially from uh, fans of existing Super League clubs, about the travel to and from Toronto if Toronto make it to the Super yeah. League because, oh, what a hassle for us. We'll have to travel once a season mm. to Toronto and back. But, I mean, people, the people who will be disadvantaged most by this are Toronto. Yeah. They have to do yeah. it a lot. And yeah. It can't be easy. <laughs> and I was just thinking this as I was uh, consuming the first half of that match where Toronto went down, uh, I think it was 20-0, 18-0 pretty quickly, even though uh, Salford had it, someone in the sin bin as well. And I was just thinking to myself, it cannot be easy flying to and from Toronto. They've done it a few times over the last few weeks because this is how the, the Super what do, what do you think the flight time is Toronto to London? I would say it's got to be around eight hours at least. Oh, wow. That's oh, punishing, that's, huh? that's a tough one, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, and, I just oh, say... You know, they've got a Perez, but I don't think they're flying business class. <laughs> no. like, and also, think, also, do they have to Premium. train? There's a lot of... There's just a lot of players and a lot of trips, that's all. Just, yeah. You've got to rationalise somewhere, don't you? Premium economy, maybe? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe they all get exit rows. Also, yeah. Yeah, do, also, do they have to train for the plane? Like, do they have to train for that time yeah. when they're in the air so they don't, you know, get various yeah. kind of backaches and yeah. other injuries yeah. and exactly. so on? So, look, a disappointing loss from Toronto, mm. but, uh, look, they've got, I think, one or two home games left, and if they can, you know, knock those off, they should be, at the very least, in the million-pound game. I think yeah. their, big, their big game is going to be against Leeds. So Leeds at the moment have one, two, yep. lost one. Yep. Uh, of course, future Jono will tell us if they won that third, <laughs> uh, that fourth game. Just, just back on the travel. Yeah. I mean, think of how many leg cramps Kinnear Woods would get. On yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be using them for his business class upgrades. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so you roll around, my leg, roll my leg. Out of the floor his leg in the air. <laughs> ref, ref, my leg. <laughs> um. Looking at that, so you, the, for the, the results we're relying on future Jono for, sure. I'm pretty sure we can predict future Jono is going to say Leeds won because they're playing Widners. Sure. Yeah. And Widners have been pretty awful. Yeah. So Let's um, lock that one in. Let's lock that one in. But the big game, goes without saying, for Toronto from now on, is the, that game against Leeds. Because yeah. they've now played Salford, they've played Hull KR, uh, and they've played 
uh, you know, a couple of other teams. So, <laughs> <laughs> but the Leeds game, look out for it, ladies and gentlemen. What else is happening in the international game, Big Al? Uh, so we've had, I've got big news from the South African front. So I, you know, I'm a, a big advocate for South African rugby league. So South African, in South Africa, the game faces hurdles all over the place. From the power brokers in the rugby union that hold, mm. much like in Vichy France, that uh, union power brokers that just hold higher positions in government. Mm. So, uh, rugby league really struggles in that country, which is a shame because, in my opinion, if you're a union fan, you're halfway there to being a league fan. You just got to see the game and you realize, wow, this is so much better. Sure. Uh, but anyway, the domestic season kicked off uh, over the weekend. So, I would sit here, you know, I like to, when I announce the kickoff of a, a domestic season in another country, I like to go through the teams, yeah, yeah. mascots, and all that stuff. It also is, we've discussed this before as well, it also takes a lot of effort sometimes to be a league fan because in many places, it's a minority sport, especially in South Africa. Okay. So I haven't got a reliable source on how many teams there are. So I've got, <laughs> I, I, I could go through a list of teams, but I'm not sure how many are still around. Okay. Because there seem to be a lot. And so I didn't, just didn't want, so what I might do is I'll take a... They've got, they've got different <laughs> tiers and divisions? Well, they're just, it's hard to find reliable information. Yeah. Um, so... There was a lot of teams, rather than out them going through all the teams and then finding out half of them you know, haven't existed for a couple of years, uh, what I want to do is take a week to yep. give some solid research on this topic, hey. and then spend a bit of time next week talking about the current South African what? rugby league teams. We're not going to balk at research. <laughs> it's about time we did so, isn't it? I want that report on my desk by 9am. Hey, Sunday. hey, who's the headmaster here? <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> But future John I would have already seen it. So that's yeah, that's right. true. Great report. <laughs> um, other results we've had a, we've had a World Cup uh, rugby league World Cup uh, qualifying match results come through. So Greece have narrowly defeated Ukraine twenty eight to twenty six, um, and that was an amazing result because it was they were down twenty points to eight at half time. Is that right? Yeah. So you know there must be all that playing mm. in the Balkan Super League has really uh, <laughs> really improved their playing. Words never spoken before. <laughs> Um, so what that does is that puts Greece uh, their next their next playing Malta and I think they've got to get one point in that game so I guess that means either a, a draw or a win yeah and that puts them at the top of the Euro Group C qualifying pool okay um, which I then puts them pits them um, up against either Norway or Germany I think so oh, right. there you go things happening in the Euro qualifiers mm, very good there we go that's uh, that's international international rugby. delicious as always mm. well it's been a big pod. We're, we're into the 40 minutes mark, I reckon. Let's boot it home with some progressive moments of the week. I'm going to go first. All right. Because oh, mine's very short and sweet. <laughs> wait, wait, let me guess. How good is rugby league? No. <laughs> Not that short. Right. Uh, my progressive moment is simply the Dragons mm. in that um, elimination final that was just on, on Sunday. There's not much more progressive than the most unprogressive side being absolutely thumped. So, <laughs> so um, thank you, Dragons, We are for providing me with a progressive moment. <laughs> Can I also say the reason why we've mentioned that the Broncos are not overly progressive this year is due to the Matt Lodge factor. Yeah. And at the end of that game, he was getting oh, pretty funny. Was, oh, yeah, oh, he was. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's a weird noise. I apologise for that. <laughs> Big out. All right. So uh, my again, my mind's finals focused, and it's it's all comes down to one play. I think I saw. I don't know. If, I don't know if I'm going to call it the greatest try of this year, but it, it got me going when I mm. saw it. It was the the final try scored by Melbourne in the Melbourne Rabbitohs game, 
uh, off uh, a Chase Blair try off a Josh Adokar mm. kick. Yeah, and it was just amazing because yeah. it was three sets of hands, really quick ball, I think, from Billy Slater yes. to Josh Adokar to burn down the outside and just looked up, summed up the situation. No, it was Billy Slater, the Chase Blair, Adokar. Yeah. Adokar broke away. Chipped inside for Chase Blair again. Chase Blair in the long sleeves. Long sleeves, <laughs> yeah. The long sleeves, picks it up and puts it down. And I, on Friday night, I was feeling really low, so uh, low on energy. Sure. So I watched that uh, at home by myself, live streaming uh, on my computer in bed. I wanted to go to sleep as soon as the game was over. <laughs> it made me jump. It made me jump up. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. So... so. Pretty, yeah, pretty good time management though, just to make sure that there's no no time in between the game ending and you having to brush your teeth and get into bed. <laughs> that was a brilliant try. Yeah, I, I, the kick was off the outside of the boot. Yeah, yeah. It was just so good. And, and it wasn't at any time of the game. This was to tie the game up. Yeah. A semi-final up. It wasn't just like a try, a consolation try, London Broncos style when you're down by 30 <laughs> points. This was like semi-final, yeah. down by six, throw it wide. Kick it inside, Chase Blair in the long sleeves. Yeah, puts yeah, in it the long sleeves. I, and it, I, it, yeah. I know this is going to sound weird, mm. but as someone who's played a bit of rugby league, yeah. watching Chase Blair with that long sleeve thing <laughs> on made my arms feel weird. <laughs> I, I didn't like it at all. Really? I loved it. It was classy. Yeah, I thought it was, it was like. Very classy. Uh, um, but, uh, and that just uh, a sort of uh, progressive moment uh, point one, or like mm. progressive moment A. Sure. Um, how fast have the finals games been? Mm. They have just been like that game. Uh, the Warriors Panthers game was probably. I mean, it was it was fast, but not as high quality as the other ones. Yes. Um, and the the Dragons Broncos game. Oh, yeah, that it was, was turbo just charged. so. Like, how do these guys get the energy? Ro- Roosters and Sharks game was pretty fast. Yeah, well. yeah, like it was. It's high quality games. Absolutely, lots of energy. Love it. Let's not talk about all those bomb tries from the Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, my moment of the week. It comes from northwestern New South Wales. I want to tell you about the Moree Boomerangs. Well, tell me. Tell reading, me about them. I was reading an article by a guy called Paul Connolly. And so the Moree Boomerangs, they're a team, northwestern New South Wales, sort of around Tamworth, Narrabri for people who in, are in, not from Australia. In the twang kind of? In the New England twang. <laughs> the twang catchment area. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, they've had a checkered history, to be fair. They're a mostly uh, indigenous club, and they've had a history of uh, sort of violence off the field and on the field. Mm. And they were actually banned uh, for a number of years from the, the Group 19 competition mm. between, mm. I think, 98 and 2009. Wow. They've been back uh, for a while now, but I just want to talk about a program that they're, they're part of. They're, they're partnering with uh, a couple of arts organisations in New South Wales and Victoria in a program called First on the Ladder which is intended to celebrate cultural pride and cultural connections. And so what they do is they engage the community on game day and the week leading up to the game, especially the kids. So, in fact, they set up a pop-up radio station on game days that's run by the kids. And they call it BBC. That's fantastic. Boomerang Broadcasting Corporation, where the kids do interviews, they sing their own songs. Now, they're not selling alcohol at the games anymore, and play behaviour... And also spectator behaviour has improved a lot. That's mm. a, a little while ago, but they've improved a lot. They even find players now for swearing. So it's been it's a good story of a club that has been through a rough patch and mm. has, a, like I said, a chequered history that are really trying hard uh, with the help of the arts community uh, to to bring some sort of connection with the community mm. with this club. To turn around. Yeah, and they're doing all sorts of programs addressing family violence, sexual health, nutrition, parenting. So there's a long way to go, but it's really good progress. And adding all to that, last week, the Maury Boomerangs won three grand finals 
in the one day. They won yeah, the Group what? 19 Grand Finals in the under-18s, the Reserves, and the A-Grades. So I just yeah, want to, oh, that's fantastic. Damn. I just want to shout out to the Maury Boomerangs, and it's a really good article by Paul Connolly. So uh, that's that's great science. So go well, Maury. That's all that is, and it's another great example of the power of the game and yeah. what the game can do and just how progressive mm. it can be. Do we know how that tie-up happened? Did the club reach out to the arts community or did the arts community reach out to the club? I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. But let me tell you, people don't think rugby league and arts mix. That's but right. it's an example. <laughs> but the... like, one is a form of the other. Yeah, it's a true. Well, it's very that's true, true enough, isn't it? <laughs> but I mean, well, there should be more arts rugby league uh, sort of partnerships. Why That's not? right. Yeah, yeah. There was, uh, wasn't there, has there, there's Rugby League the Musical by That's Dennis Gunn. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there's been a Rugby League personality, um, Archibald, uh, perhaps, subject. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. They've had, we've had, uh, well, a couple of movies on Rugby League, you yeah. know, Footy Legends, Ando. Oh, well, final Winter. The Final Winter. Final Winter, yeah. There was a play, I think, yeah. in Rugby League, the South Sydney story. I'm, I'm sure there could be more. There's been a do- documentary, South Side Story, that was the yeah. first documentary of J- Russell Crowe's buying yeah. South yeah. Sydney but I'm sure I there think could be more, more crossover Sydney <clears throat> Theatre Company yeah. could surely get involved with one of the clubs and you know do a bit of a, a swap some of the actors could um, run out for a club and then some of the footy players could be out on stage that's right rugby league and arts a marriage made in heaven yeah, indeed that's right well we might call it a day on that very lovely thought let's do that yeah. um, this is a slug saying bye all See ya. See you all in Rugby League We Trust. <laughs>